Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross, and you're who? <laughs> I'm Ricard Foyer. Hey, I'm joined once again by Ricard Foyer. Our correspondent for Australian Survivor has agreed begrudgingly to join me for <laughs> recaps of The Traitors Canada, because who better to have than somebody who knows Erica personally, has played a game with her before, I thought, what a great person to recap this entire season with. <laughs> Who can give me insights into Erica this whole season. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Might have to cancel this recap show after today. <laughs> yeah, that was brief. All right. Well, let's get into it. We will get to everything Erica shortly. But Ricard, I want to get a quick check from you. What is your familiarity with the traders? What have you watched? Uh, I know there's a lot of versions out there. Uh, what are you? What have you already watched? Um. Well, I watched UK first. I think mm -hmm. we watched that at the same time. I think we watched. Yeah, um, I think UK I forced and, you to watch that and US uh, at the same time um loved them both I, I i'm still really torn on who my favorite host is i think uk i think she wins i She's, feel like it's whoever you saw first that's that's been yeah. if i was taking a poll it's whoever you saw first you like better god she's just so fun and the fact that she was unknown for me at least um i know she's a big deal over there but the fact that she was unknown for me, I just absolutely, I had no preconceived notions of who she was or ideas. And so she was just so fucking fun to watch. I really enjoyed UK. Yeah. I think UK is my fave. Yeah. She's so charming. And that cast was just so fun. There was a levity to the UK that uh, wasn't quite there in the US. It was a lot more serious. Yeah. So that's well, also I mean, when my you bring preference. In but again, that's what I saw or, first. Yeah. Yeah. When you bring in any kind of celebrity reality star situation, and you know these people, and it's just going to be a different vibe. And I just loved the normalcy of everyone in the UK version so, so much. Yeah. And the US was really the first one to start this. Let's bring reality stars on for no particular reason. There's nothing about the format that requires uh, or is enhanced by reality stars. But I think the US just wanted a little bit of a push to be like, let's get people interested. And I think it worked. I mean, having Sari uh, on there, I think really helped and it got people talking about the show and having housewives on there like Brandy, uh, despite the fact that she didn't last very long. I think it brought eyeballs to the show. But since then, other versions have been following the lead of the US. And we had uh, Australia season two bring in several reality stars, including uh, Luke Toki from Australian Survivor. That was a wild season of television. I know you haven't seen that, but holy fuck, I can't believe. Like it's one of the most frustrating seasons of TV I've ever watched. Um, and then I just watched New Zealand. So I've watched every English language version that I'm aware of. So the UK, US, uh, New Zealand, and both Australian seasons. 
And there's something there's something to all of them. Certainly, the Australia season two was really like a quite a rough rough watch, but still like fun to talk about. So here we are. It is in Canada. This is one of the fastest growing reality franchises since Big Brother uh, debuted all those years ago, 23 years ago or whatever it was, um, that every country is picking up their own version of the traders. And there's so many non-English language versions. And so I was so surprised, uh, but delighted when I found out that it would be coming to Canada because of course I'm Canadian and we just usually don't get to have nice things. <laughs> there's never been a Canadian survivor. We do have Canadian Big Brother. Quebec. We have, well, we had Survivor Quebec, but the thing is there's a whole world of media and pop culture in Quebec that is like inaccessible to the rest of Canada. So for example, me being in Ontario, in Toronto, I can't I can't tune in to Survivor Quebec because it's only on Quebecois stations, right? And they make no effort to put subtitles on there for English language speakers. So me not being a fluent French speaker, it's just inaccessible to me. So yeah. I didn't I didn't actually watch that. But and then the and and like it goes both ways in uh so many Canadian reality shows. Uh and and this might be I I because I don't watch The Amazing Race and Big Brother Canada and all that, but in a lot of sort of like contests, Quebec is excluded. Uh, mm. So it's it's it, it's an excluding factor. And so, for example, with the Traders Canada, they are doing the English language Canadian version, and then there's the Quebecois version, which filmed right after and will be airing later. So same host, same location, probably the same challenges. If I know that, same host. Yeah, because she is French Canadian, so she can do uh-huh. both. Yeah, okay. so it's kind of like a cute thing that they're doing, but uh, that that's so that's that's yeah, Survivor Quebec. Uh, but here we are with the Traders Canada. Wow, <laughs> I'm like I have to say, like first impressions. I'm impressed. I uh, I am conditioned as a Canadian to see Canadian content as less than and cheaper, uh, much lower budget, etc. I mean, you look at, for example, Drag Race Canada season one, pretty good. <laughs> well, that's one that uh, Quebecois people can participate in remember rita bega anyways <laughs> we should get rita bega on the traders but <laughs> high quality production in drag race season one and it's lowered and lowered and lower every year mm. but so to see the traders canada i had like very low expectations i thought it was going to look like traders new zealand which looks like it has a three dollar budget and is <laughs> the sets are stuck together with tape and spit honestly it's like wildly cheap looking but really fun gameplay. I thought that's what we were going to get in Canada, but wow, the production value is wild so far. Like it's beautiful. I almost thought they wouldn't have like a round table. I thought they would just use like a conference table because because that's what I just assumed Canada would have. They built this beautiful table. They have this beautiful manor. The challenges like that, this first challenge in the quarry with the explosions, mm-hmm. like that's the best iteration of that, the classic traders first challenge that I've seen. Yes, absolutely. Hands down. And um, I assume that you haven't watched a whole lot of Canadian media. Uh, just Big Brother Canada. Okay. You never watched the Drag Race Canada's? No. Wow. Even Jimbo's first season. Wow. No. You should go back and watch that. It's really good, actually. Just through Twitter. Okay. Never really yeah, you've probably seen it. most of it in that case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk about this a little bit. We'll get into a little recapping. We are doing episodes one and 
two because not a whole lot happened in one. So kind of wanted to hold off and see what happened with the first murder and banishment, which we get in episode two. Um, but in episode one, the players arrive at the manor in Quebec. They're greeted by Corinne Van Ness. Uh, no relation to Jonathan Van Ness, by the way. Um, she's... she's on her own (laughs) and they spend a little time getting to know each other i always like this portion because it's before the traders are selected and so this is really going to be the basis of all of the absolutely baseless accusations that are going to be lobbied at people it's like you're different from the three seconds i got to talk to you is there anything ricard do you think that you could do in this moment that's gameplay or is this just like get to know people um well what's tough is when you've if you've seen the previous franchises which there's been a lot of random one-liners throughout the first two episodes that make me think that not a lot of people have actually watched the other iterations i was like wait how do you not know they're going to be buried wait what's going on here (laughs) i don't understand how you aren't following these challenges when they're word for word play for play exactly Mm -hmm. what happened on the previous seasons I feel like I would be really stressed about this first meeting because of what happened in UK, where they had to line themselves up Mm. um, and decide, you know, do you think you're going to win or lose? And then the two people that they thought were going to lose, they were kicked out of the freaking game immediately. So I feel like I would already be in my head of what am I going to do for what I anticipate coming that I would kind of be distracted from the one-on-one meeting people situation if that's making any sense Mm -hmm. um and then from that not to come i guess yeah then just focus on relationships but not be too friendly i it's just tough when you know exactly what's coming if you do yeah and i feel like you do it's really complicated by the fact that we have a half normal people half reality stars cast well i don't know if i should say half like when we use the term reality stars in canada we're (laughs) using that term very loosely Mm -hmm. i think we have a few reality stars (laughs) Um, (laughs) but one of the first people to get screen time is erica of course winner of survivor 41 and we have rick the temp rick campanelli uh calling her out as like hey don't i know you from somewhere now Ricard, I need to tell you about Rick and I need to tell our listeners about Rick if they don't know him. I grew up watching Rick. Like, I am not joking. I grew up watching Rosie O'Donnell and Rick Campanelli. Those are like mom and dad. Uh, Rick Campanelli is is sort of like the Carson Daly of Canada in that he Mm. was a VJ on Much Music, our equivalent of MTV. Um, But it was a little different where it would just be like, there would be blocks of like five hours in the afternoon where it's just like, it's just Rick throwing in music videos, chit chatting. Like Britney Spears would pop into the building and he'd interview her. And like um, that was, that was sort of the vibe. And then he left much music much later and he became a host of entertainment tonight, Canada. Uh, And then he started to get like really hammy and cheesy where he used to have like, he used to be kind of edgy and cool. Like he was the one that was like into like alt or rock music at much music. And then when he went to ET Canada, I was like, you sold out Rick. But anyways, you'll hear him referred to as Rick the Temp sometimes because when he started on Much Music, he was a temp and mm. they just like started putting him on camera. So they called him Rick the Temp for many years. But anyways, it's literally iconic that Rick is on this show and that he's recognizing Erica, I think is funny because it's like he never struck me as a Survivor viewer, but like it was also a little hard to escape Erica in Canada. We were really excited. Uh-huh. But 
Rick is a shit stirrer. Like, yes, Rick he is. Is going around. I heard, guess what? I heard, Kevin, guess what? I heard from everybody <laughs> that you've been telling them that you've been cozying up to them and that you want to be their best friend. Like, he's really throwing shit around. And I'm like into it because I thought he was going to be a little bit more reserved just given his career. Yeah. I mean, especially because you have mentioned before how big of a presence he is there. Donna made it very clear how big of a presence mm. he was to her, which I'm sorry, but the editing was a little bit shady because Erica's sitting right next to her. And, <laughs> and everyone's like, you look familiar. And she's like, yeah, I'm the winner of Survivor. And she's like, it's so wild. I'm just sitting in this car with famous people, literally right next to Erica. And she's like, I don't know anybody but Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Donna's kind of iconic. I'm obsessed with Donna. The Traders has really, the Traders franchises around the world have really enjoyed casting a psychic medium um, <laughs> to varying degrees of success. There was a very explosive a situation with a psychic medium in Australia season one, where she was like, she came out with it and was like, my psychic abilities tell me the Traders are this person, this person, this person. Two of them were right. Um, but then she was, it went so wild that she ended up quitting the game like that night. <laughs> so she couldn't take the heat. But the interesting thing to me about Donna is that not just that she's like great on screen and such a like natural confessionalist, just like a great kind of reality persona. She's just like a little rough around the edges in the, in the right way. Mm -hmm. But that she, as far as I can tell, she has not actually told anybody she's a psychic medium. I don't recall a conversation. And she, there's been no, like, because I've rewatched them both twice. And I've been like, okay, there's a lot of drama around Donna, but it, none of it has to do with her job. And, like, mm -hmm. she has only mentioned it in confessionals. And I don't know if I'm just, like, extrapolating that, but I feel like she hasn't told them. Which yeah. is smart. No, I don't. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything. No. Like, if you were a traitor, would you be realistically nervous about a psychic medium no i wouldn't because you don't believe in psychics <laughs> um i actually do believe that some people could have some kind of intuition about them but not so you think you just don't believe donna <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> donna couldn't even get right a conversation that she had in real life let alone in her head so like <laughs> So, I, I mean, it's kind of tough to say, but I love Donna. I really yeah, love, Donna. I love Donna. She cries at puppy commercials. She's emotional. Yeah, she's my girl. I get that. I cry at everything all yeah. the time. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who's listened to our Australian Survivor recaps knows that you cry. I, I am a big it's crier. It's like uh, Simon takes off his shirt. You cry. Oh, God. Make me sob, Simon. Make me sob. <laughs> Whoa. <God. laughs> I think that the concern with a psychic medium is just like, it's not even, it's not that I don't believe psychics exist. I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. But the concern is that in a game like the traders where there's absolutely no evidence in most cases, even if you're a faithful, it's like, well, fuck, if she says my name, whether I believe it or not, there's so little to go on mm -hmm. that people might run with that. Yeah. That's I mean, scary. That's such yeah. a wild card. I mean, that dude, Colin, was wearing sunglasses all the time, and that was used against him constantly. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Sunglasses? Honestly, Which is funny, because one person, oh, what was her name? I think her name was Melissa, 
Melissa A. She was wearing sunglasses while telling Colin, you need to stop wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I was like, what is it? <laughs> when he like got in her face and was like, I swear on my kids, I'm going to keep my sunglasses off. I'm not a traitor. It's like, she's wearing them right now. And everyone's telling you to stop. <laughs> Do you think that if you had sunglasses on Survivor, things might have been easier? Um, I think with the fans at home, things might have been easier with people not criticizing my eyes. But no, I don't think things would have been easier. You don't think it makes it easier to lie? No, not really. Really? No. Isn't I mean, so I, much of human connection like eye contact? Yeah, but sometimes eye contact can work against you and be a little creepy. Hmm. And make people, I don't know, I think... I don't, I don't know. Actually, that just worked against my own argument of sunglasses not right. helping you. Right. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just have always been curious about this because in the early seasons of Survivor, they had sunglasses. Like they were allowed to have sunglasses. And I mean, I don't think it was like ever a plot point, but I would imagine it makes things a little easier. Maybe. I guess I am thinking about Suri being in the Big Brother house, never taking off those damn sunglasses. She's always wearing those sunglasses. Yeah. She doesn't take off that robe either. I <laughs> know she doesn't. <laughs> and um, it's tough. Well, I think, at least if you know Suri, you know that she always wears, I don't mean this metaphorically, rose-colored glasses. I don't know if it's just like uh-huh. sensitivity to light. Like That's just a steady thing with her. Um, so maybe people aren't overthinking it and thinking that's a way for her to be more deceptive. But, yeah, I don't I don't know. I I think it would hurt, and this might just be a me thing and so off the wall what I'm about to say, but I kind of judge people sometimes and if they're wearing sunglasses in general and on if that's their per- with it I associate it with their personality. Mm. If they wear sunglasses. I it's I don't know why, but I just kind of do. I almost always take off my sunglasses when when I start talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the brightest day and the sun is in my eye, yeah, I just feel like it's disrespectful. I, I feel that. Yeah, no, I can feel that. Well, I Colin doesn't feel that way, and look where it got him. I know it. He is on the block. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about the traitor selection, because I thought that this was really interesting. First of all, Kareen is, I think she's a great host. Like, she's a nice middle between Claudia and Alan to me, where she's definitely on the more serious Alan side, but I don't know. She's like a little campy and fun uh, in a way that like, yeah, Alan's campy and fun, but like, I don't know. I think, I think she's like a really great host. I think she's maybe my second favorite host internationally. Her wardrobe is gorgeous. Um, And I thought, okay, now this is, I try, I pay attention to like smaller details that don't really need attention paid to, I thought it was going to be a lot more campy because did you notice when she met them all when they got out of the SUVs, she had that big ass collar, uh-huh. like a big, massive white collar. And then she goes inside and her collar is a little shorter. And then later on in the game, her collar is a little shorter. No, it was giving it was giving me like scary movie or one of those spoof movies where the woman's the deputy's hat keeps getting bigger and right. bigger and bigger. Yeah. And I was just like, this is hysterical. And then I realized it's probably nothing. She just changed her shirt. That's just wardrobe. Yeah, it's just wardrobe. It's a coincidence. Well, I thought that it was really funny that when she was selecting the traders that 
she just kept walking and walking mm-hmm. around that table. Like she w- she looked at her Apple Watch and was like, oh my God, I've only done 2000 steps today. I need to make it up. I need to get to 10,000. So she did laps around that table. There were so many fake outs of when she was going to pick somebody. And I really liked how they did it, interspersing the interviews and sort of like having her pause and fake out and then not mm-hmm. choose the person. Like I thought it was fun for, for having to fill an episode with no banishment and no murder. Um, I feel like this was a fun way to do that, even if it did drag on a little long. It went on a little too long, uh, but I'm sure production-wise, actually, I'm not sure, but I would assume production-wise that they did this with all the other franchises mm. for there to be multiple laps for and multiple pauses and whatnot to really get people off the scent. Of, yeah. Did she pause there? Oh, did she yeah. pause there only twice, like two of the laps instead of three? Um, I'm sure they just showed us a lot more of it in this franchise than the other ones. Yeah, because I feel like if I was sitting there with the blindfold on, I would, I'd be like, well, obviously I know who she picked. Yes. <laughs> but it's kind of like that game Heads Up 7-Up. Like, you know what I'm <laughs> talking about? <laughs> what? When you were in elementary school, you all put your heads down and you have a thumb up? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anytime I was like, I feel a presence near me. It's someone at my table. Totally. It's someone at my table. Totally. Let me get Donna on the case. She'll tell me. I have this great game right now called Wombat Combat, something like that. Um, you all have to be blindfolded. So this is where I'm putting my collection of survivor buffs to use. So I'm going to get everybody buffs on their eyes. Uh, it kills me that you take them off the thing. I just, eh, it whatever. kills me every damn time. Um, so, <laughs> I know I ripped the 42 buff off the, off the card so I could just, uh. so I could shove it on Cody's body for that picture on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I thought it was going to rip, but I was like, oh, it's just 42. Um, <laughs> Retrospect 42 is my like maybe least favorite season from the new era, but oh. I'll save that conversation for another day. I thought it was gonna be 43, but okay. Nah, nah. I have a more think about it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the traders are so oh anyway. Oh, wombat combat. Anyways, it's like whatever, it doesn't matter. Similar <laughs> kind of game. Similar kind of game. Okay. We have a lot to talk about. I know. So Korean selects her traders, we get an interesting mix of people because you have in this cast, and we haven't really talked about who's on this cast yet, but you know, some of the reality stars are, I understand, heavy hitters. I would say Erica's a heavy hitter hitter solely for winning Survivor. Um, that is the biggest win we have on this list. It's a million dollars US. It's an international show. Yeah. She's probably the most watched, richest, etc. And so she's a heavy hitter for that reason. Does her reputation precede her as like a game player? I don't think so. I mm-hmm. think probably if you asked most people in this house, they wouldn't be able to tell you much about her game. And that's no shade to Erica. It's just like, I don't know that they're all watching it. As Donna said, like, I don't think Donna really knew who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't think like the average person could pull out like, oh yeah, here was the like important points about Erica's game yeah. because she's a little stealthy, which is okay. That's a good thing. But anyway, so we have Erica as a heavy hitter. Kevin, winner of Big Brother Canada, I understand is a heavy hitter. I think people see him as highly strategic, a little devious. Um, So we've got him, and he's a poker player, which we heard a lot about. We've got Koozie from uh, Big Brother Canada, who I understand similarly, like people love, fan favorite, strategic queen, okay? Mm -hmm. That's kind of it, right? So 
Otherwise, we've got May from MasterChef Canada. We've got Dom, who's from uh, something called Game of Homes. We've got Leroy from whatever the brigade is. Miss Fearsalicious is the only other that's like, I know that name from being on gay Twitter. Uh, yeah. Because Fierce was on season three of Canada's Drag Race. And then we've got Gurleen. Okay. So... We are going to talk about these people a little bit more in a second, but I just think it's really interesting because coming into this, I think the assumption was that probably Erica and Kevin and Koozie, at least two of those three would be traitors. And that's mm-hmm. not the case. Koozie is a traitor. And then they picked two normies as traitors. Uh, Melissa B., which wild that there's two Melissas on this cast. Like, well, how yeah. does that happen? It's like, yeah. it's like, and literally that she goes by Mel B. Like... <laughs> Scary Spice. Yeah. The fact that there was two Melanies in the Spice Girls and the fact that there's two Melissas on the Traitors, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be looking for evidence and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> so we've got, we've got Mel B, Koozie, and Mike, the Magician, who I feel like was a really great Traitor Amazing choice. choice. Hands down the best choice. I think Mel B was a bad choice. Um, but this is the... Well, obviously it was a bad choice because people were onto her the second she took her blindfold off. But I kind of like it as a choice to be like, let's throw one of these random like people under the bus a little bit. Yes, she reminds me... She gives me like the vibes of that dude that always wore a hat um, in US version that was immediately... like Sari turned on him in two Oh, seconds. the crit. I think his name was Chris or something. The guy who was recruited as a traitor. Yes. Or was he an original traitor? No, he was an called? original. Yeah, he Wait. was an original. Yeah, he was an original traitor with the curly hair, like blonde. And then he said he hair. was recruited as a lot. Yes. Yeah. He was offered the choice Chris, to be. Re- yeah, whoever he was, she's giving his vibes of like yeah. too much, too loud, too in your face. But what I don't understand is that people picked up on her so fast uh, lots of people were talking about her being a traitor, and then at the first banishment, she does her name doesn't come up once. I know the Donna of it all really distracted, and yeah, I think the Donna that was mostly drama. Yes, like, and I think Fierce really. I think the luck that Mel had that Fierce brought up that conversation and it became a whole household yeah. conversation. Yeah. I think Mel would have been on the block and went for sure almost going home if Fierce had not done that. How iconic would it have been if they got Mel out? I know. And as they were saying, first franchise to get a traitor out on the first go. It actually wouldn't, but they were Seriously? Yeah. Which franchise? New Zealand. Oh, well, I mean, I didn't see that. But they wouldn't have seen it either because it aired after they filmed. So Mm, they were right in their world, but um, not in the not in the airing schedule world. But it will like that. It's that's such a way to kick off a season and um this would have been great. But I feel like Mel's days are maybe numbered yes. anyways. I think once they realize, there's just, it's so easy for these faithfuls to get caught up in petty drama and then just like spite vote somebody out without like actually believing that they're a traitor, I think, or like making the argument. And part of the problem I think I'm starting to see is that people are playing it really safe now in this, because these people have at least, they've probably, most of them have probably seen the traders, at least the US version. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's some hiccups in the evolution of strategy on the traders, where it's like May said, nobody wants to bring up another name because if it's a trader's name, 
like you might be putting yourself unnecessarily at harm if you really don't have the votes or something like why be honest at the round table about who we think that traitors are mm -hmm. so it's like it's a little tricky i think as we move forward to have people play as recklessly as we did in like seasons one especially of uk and us mm -hmm. you know it's yeah, like no, imagine yeah. going to tribal council and just like throwing out a new name that hadn't been like hadn't had votes locked in yeah, that happened at my first tribal council, so. <laughs> was it Jeannie or Brad? Brad. Yeah. Out of fucking nowhere. And I mean, like, look nowhere. how this all went for him. Like, that didn't go great. Yeah. So it's not a great strategy. And my name, out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, Miss Jeannie They probably should have. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they probably, I don't know. <laughs> I saw this tweet uh, that was after episode two. That was a black and white photo of Erica's cast photo. Mm -hmm. and, it said, and it said, get murdered if you ruined Shan or something like that. <laughs> if you ended Shan. Uh, anyways, not to bring up Shan. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> so. So everybody knows Mel B is a traitor. Even Kevin's grandma in Alberta knows that Mel B is a traitor. That was funny. That was a funny yeah, line. It was a, it's a good line. It's a good yeah. line. You know, I'm going to Alberta next week for the first time. I mean, I was born in Alberta, but I was like a baby when I moved back. So yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going oh. back to the homeland. Fun. Maybe I'll see Kevin's grandmother. Uh, Maybe. Are we going to talk about that mission? or uh, just Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. Uh, but I just want to also point out that after that uh, round table, so that the names out there were like, Mel B, traitor. Yeah. Kevin, probably traitor. And this was like a big problem. And then for Kevin. And then you had Donna also thrown out there. And I don't quite understand the reason why her name was thrown out there. But we can get to that as we get to uh, the later vote. But let's talk about that mission. Mm -hmm. Because it's like much in the same way that Survivor used to always start their seasons with the quest for fire um challenge mm -hmm. this i see as as the traders quest for fire because it is all about like connecting these ropes or whatever it is to light something up yeah this was so good they went to a quarry they had to like retrieve different pieces of uh, like electric what i don't know i'm not i'm gay like stuff <laughs> that connect to make a spark and 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 ex explode tnt I thought that this was so well done and such high production value and those explosions at the end were like, that is award-winning Canadian TV. Yeah, you thought there was going to be a sparkler. <laughs> I thought like maybe if we were lucky, if like there was a sale on, at the fireworks factory, then we would get a sparkler. But this was big budget. It was good. And... Can you give me some clarification? I'm sure this is pretty obvious. Team two could mm -hmm. not run to get the detonator until team one returned. Right. Yes. Okay. I was like, what's happening here? Yeah. So it was <laughs> timed running? what they had like 20 minutes or 30 minutes or something. 30. 30 minutes. Some of them had to go find cables within the quarry, but then four people had to go and run and get parts of like the box that the cables go in and then four other people's had to go and get the detonator mm. now first things first fierce runs this competition in drag oh my god ish 
<laughs> I know. She should have put on some heels. The running shoes ruined it. The running shoes really ruined the look. But, like, I appreciate the effort. I wanted to see barefoot holding the heels. That's Ow. what I wanted to see. With all those rocks? Yeah. Ouch. Get over it. Wow. I was barefoot. It's, it's fine. It's not easy being fierce. <laughs> <laughs> And then but Trayvon Fierce is actually really good. Fierce is like Fierce is beating everybody up that hill. Yes, she is running up that hill. And, um, and sorry, I interrupted you by saying that Trayvon had asthma, and I was just oh, so yeah. confused. I don't understand. I loved that. <laughs> I loved that that even like as he's on the ground, we're getting this like great drone shot, and and the traders like production team seems to be realizing they forgot to bring a medic on set. Uh, <laughs> they just have some assistance like running out uh-huh. and <laughs> checking on him. And he's like face down on the ground. And so like they're cutting to confessionals like, well, why do you do that? He has asthma. I know. Um, <laughs> like We don't even know if he's alive or dead at this point. Uh, it was pretty trashy. dramatic how he fell. Like that was, was a pretty like, pretty dramatic little scene there and no one really cared except i think i saw fierce look over at one point i was like is he okay <laughs> fixing the wig <laughs> it's just like you don't see this on the traders because the challenges are so like whatever they're so easy and yeah. lame compared to what we're used to on survivor that you know you you get so many like you just had to run a kilometer but maybe he shouldn't have volunteered to run as mm-hmm. they said if he had asthma like yeah. why what was the point of that and trayvon's making some weird decisions overall because he's also telling people that he's a server at a restaurant um when he's not what's his real job i forget doesn't oh. matter but like yeah it's just like i feel like in a game like the traders if you're gonna tell a lie it better be like a significant lie yes why add to the burden Uh, even if you're not a trader but i think he was telling this before the roundtable selection of traders um but like imagine if you're faithful fine like you could probably keep a couple lies in check but like what if trayvon gets recruited um now he's got all his trader lies and he's got to keep talking about a phony job that he has like Mm -hmm. that's tough yeah, and you know, back to your point of anything could be used as ammunition to put mm-hmm. attention on someone. Randomly, they were like, well, why did he decide to run as if it, they were kind of treating the first challenge like, um, is it the mole? Yeah. Where there's like a saboteur. Yeah. And I was like, that this has, he didn't choose to run because he had asthma to like prevent them from getting more money. Like, that's not, that's not the game here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that another great moment from this challenge was <laughs> it was so nothing. <laughs> but you had fierce in that first round when they're just they're crabbing like sort of like these wooden tray things that like to complete the line of where these wires yeah. go. Yeah. And fierce gets there first, grabs this piece of wood and is like, oh, my God, it's so heavy. And then like five seconds later, Gurleen and Crystal, I believe it is, are picking it up. And Gurleen's like, is it heavy? And Crystal's like, no. <laughs> it's such a nothing line but i just thought it was so funny no I, she specifically was just holding out like on her shoulder yeah. by herself and it's like let's go girls <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like Gerline a lot 
Yeah, I like Girlene too. And uh, I actually, I put a call out for voicemails about some of these stars because we did our big Traders US cast assessment uh, for the Traders US season two. And we got all kinds of great voicemails. I thought I could recreate the magic in Canada. Nope, I couldn't. I got two voicemails. <laughs> I got two voicemails though. <laughs> and one is a very passionate voicemail about Girlene. And I would be remiss not to play it because Girlene is from Farming for Love, a show I'm not familiar with, but uh, one of our listeners is and wanted to share this about Girlene. Hi, Dropper Buffs. Wanted to reach out and make sure that you and everyone listening at home understands the icon that we have on our hands, and that is the icon Farmer Girlene. Girlene was on a dating show about farmers looking for love that's based off of a popular international franchise called Farmer Wants a Wife. And on the Canadian version, uh, it's called Farming for Love because they have women farmers and a gay farmer. And Girlene is this agritourism farmer, which is kind of cool. So she has this beautiful farm where she says her job title is being the minister of fun. So she's a fun girl and she like throws weddings on this farm and does like goat yoga, that sort of thing. Anyway, she was done so dirty on this show by so many of the guys that she was dating. Like she's such a catch, but one of them had like all of these red flags and ended up quitting the show on her. This other guy didn't really seem like that into her. And he said he wanted to be an actor at one point. Um, but the reason Girlene is on Traders is because she was like so clearly a star. Like, she's so beautiful. She's so smart. She's fashionable. She's actually very witty and she understands camp, I would say. Um, she's a really good communicator. And with these men, she was like very direct. So I was kind of hoping that she would get chosen as a trader for all of those reasons, but also because I love that she's kind of always talking like how the Kardashians talk. So I thought that would make for like a really good underestimated quality where she would be like a traitor and secretly have the mind of a master and no one would ever know. But I think she'll be a good faithful as well. Actually, to my point about her being underestimated, I recently saw Kevin Robert Martin on someone's Twitch stream and he was like poking fun at the fact that no one has heard of Farming for Love and no one knows who Girlene is. Well, guess what? Girlene has been on two network TV shows within like six months already. Two network TV shows, no album out. I don't know, seems a little iconic to me. <laughs> okay, Gerline's no. number one fan. <laughs> so Gerline is a big star, and it feels like, she, like she's not front and center in the edit, but I can see her really emerging. Like this could be a slow burn for Gerline. And and the thing is, any of these people that we really hope would have been or could have been great traders, they still may be in the future. They may mm-hmm. be recruited. So, which is a best case scenario, in my opinion, is to absolutely. be recruited. Yes. Yes. Because you have that opportunity to ingratiate yourself with the faithfuls. Actually, like you're genuinely a faithful. And if you can like, for, for example, somebody like Rick, I don't think anybody's doubting that Rick is a faithful. And so that makes him such a great recruit. It makes him a great recruit for him. I don't think necessarily for the other traders because then it becomes more difficult to banish him. Mm-hmm. But if you can do that and become a trader like we've seen that in other franchises that that can really pay off for you uh, to get recruited late after establishing yourself as a as like a really devout faithful 
Yeah. And who knows? It could also, if Rick was um, recruited, it could turn into an RE situation where it's like, he's well known. He has a lot of money seemingly. Um, and they could be like, well, we don't want you to be here. We don't want to split the money with you at the yeah. last minute. And then have to make a choice of like, do I want to be a good guy or a bad guy? Right. Well, and it's so interesting you say that because what Rick says is that Colin said that, right? He says, mm-hmm. Colin said, I don't want people with money here. And then Erica gets murdered. And so Rick is like, well, like Colin said this. And all of a sudden he's surprised Erica gets murdered. Like that became a plot point, which is really interesting yes. because it's in Rick's interest to get rid of people like that. Because aside from Erica, like... And Rick may very well have more money than Erica. I don't know what we pay Canadian TV hosts, but R.I.P. E.T. Canada. R.I.P. Yeah, how, how do you know that? I keep up. You're keeping up with E.T. Canada. I, I mean, anything. Erica's you might not be on, watching Farming for know. Love, but you know you're keeping up with E.T. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so like the, it it kind of worked out perfectly for Rick where. Not only does he still seem like a faithful, even though he got a faithful out in Colin, but sort of like the argument that was established, which was kind of shown as like, this is sort of an unfair argument that helps Rick in the long run as probably Mm -hmm. the most recognizable person in that group to the group collectively. Uh, So that was a really interesting play by Rick, which I don't know if he even realized that was a play necessarily, but I'd be curious to know that. So the other thing that happens in this first episode that I think is important to raise is this alliance that comes together between Kevin, Erica, and Kuzi, mm-hmm. our three heavy-hitting reality competition stars. And I find this so interesting because for all of them, in their minds, one of them has to be a traitor. At least one of them has to be a traitor. Like, yeah. just as crazy that they would cast the three of them and not make one of them a traitor. So this is, again, getting to the evolution of strategy on the traitors. And this is something that, whatever, I can't take credit for it anymore, but this was my idea, is that like the best way to play this game is to identify a traitor early on, ally with them, and then that gives you like a bit of a life insurance policy, potentially, because you won't get murdered. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they want to keep you around in the way that Sari kept Andy and mm, the other guy. <laughs> the guy, like the guy, you know the guy? <laughs> yeah, I know who you're talking about. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I have these names memorized. Uh, the, that Sari kept the faithfuls around um, in her season and brought them to the end. Except like, unlike that, you're just, unlike, for example, Andy, you're not actually dumb you're playing dumb, right? <laughs> and so like you actually know the whole time that Sari, or in this case, Koozie maybe, mm-hmm. is a traitor. And that's what's been protecting you from murder because you're so close to that person. And then it's at the last second when you know you're throwing your bag in the fire or whatever that you're like, yes, I would like to banish one more time. I think that's the way to play the game. So that's and a I position that, that Kevin could be in. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and that Erica Kuzi. could have been in, but that like this is the complicating factor is that like somehow Erica gets murdered here, and we should probably talk about why because we do see the traitors come together and discuss who to get rid of, and they they talk about wanting to get rid of a heavy hitter and sort of like send a shockwave through the manor, and they talk about potentially uh, they talk about Kevin. 
Erica, Fierce, and May. May from MasterChef Canada. When they said May, or I was Master like, who the, the hell's chef. May? I was like, I had no idea who the hell May was. But I think the most important part for me of that entire um, roundtable was a confessional from Koozie specifically of saying, people know I'm in a type three person alliance. She had already said in a previous confessional, people are going to assume just because of who I am, I'm going to be a traitor. The best move she could have make could have made would be to get rid of one of her closest allies. And absolutely like that was the most important uh, thought that I heard vocalized in that entire round table. Truly. Yeah. When you say round table, do you mean the, like the, Oh, the fire. Yeah. The little cave. Yeah. 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 Um, Usually called the turret in the U S and UK. We're calling it the conclave in Canada. Conclave. Um, Which again, like just hello set design. You want to talk about, you want to talk about (laughs) art departments, Jeff Probst? Like the art department slayed this traitors set. Um, so when I watched the first episode, I was watching it in my hotel room. It was pretty dark. And so I had this, the brightness turned down on my iPad. And so when I just rewatched the second half of the first episode, I turned the brightness up and I wish, I wish we were using video for this. The host, she was holding her hands out like this, holding robes. Uh-huh. But with my brightness turned down, I thought she just stood like that with her little hands out like <laughs> And I was like, this lady is so quirky. I'm obsessed with her, but she was actually holding a robe. But I didn't see the robe. I just thought she was like, and now. She's just like, it's a kind of like a shrug, a limp-wristed shrug. Like, yes. so by the way, this is the last time you're lying. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, okay, well, maybe season two. Uh, take note. Take note of that, CTV. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I like I totally agree. I think this is a great way where I thought that Erica was one step ahead of the strategy here in terms of like I- identifying a traitor and not trying to banish them, trying to protect them so that they in turn protect her. Kuzi was two steps ahead where she was like, well, that's the person I need to get out because yep. then the suspicion comes off me from Kevin. Um, Fierce also says that she was like a part of that alliance in the second episode. Didn't really see that, but mm-hmm. sort of said like my closest allies were these three. Yeah. Um, so takes the suspicion off some of the heavy hitting, like loud voices in the manner. And like, I think s- 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 even, even amongst the regular people, like they would know that, Oh, that's, that's really odd that there's a reality, like a, one of those heavy hitting reality people gone. Yeah. Maybe we need to look elsewhere. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. thought that was really clever of Guzzi. Yeah, at least before Erica left, we got to see her signature uh, pout, uh, specifically when she had the blindfold <laughs> on. Um, and she was kind of looking up into the distance, waiting for her shoulder to be not tapped and hit the little pout mm. thing. It's, it's just a thing that I've seen so many times with her. And I was like, yes, yeah. I got yeah. that moment. And we had this great moment when she was murdered and they and they show us that she's murdered and finding out that she's murdered that she says, well, Uh oh, well, I I'm going to go cry into my million dollars at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dollars that you helped to give her regard. I know I gave her a vote. And then I bought one of her fucking hoodies. So I gave her even more money. (laughs) I have one of her hoodies, too. So I know. Didn't you send me a sweatshirt, too? I have two. (sighs) Yeah, oh, said, yeah, because yeah. I was trying to surprise you. But I'd already uh, bought it. And you had a surprise bought yourself one. Um, yeah. But you know what? Mine doesn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I'm not that, uh, I'm not su- super thrilled with the, uh, look, it's my fault. I should have 
read the sizing information, but like mm. the medium, it's a little, it's a little small. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a me problem. <laughs> I just wore mine for the first time last, or no, the second time last week in public. I just wish I got a large. I probably would have, I probably would wear it more often. Mm. Anyways, they're out of print now. <laughs> But, you know, it was nice to see Erica here. Canada just doesn't, we don't have a lot of survivors. It's not often that we get to, like, celebrate them. And so maybe we'll get more in the future. I was really surprised, actually, to not see Omer or or Marianne on this cast. I really thought that we might. Like, I really thought Omer might be on this cast. Yeah. Um, as, as after this was announced, I was like, oh, this is for sure happening. But, you know, maybe they are pacing it out because there's only so many to go around. Yeah. But I would love to see Caleb from Survivor 45 on this. Oh my God. I love Caleb. He is. Are you all caught up on Survivor? Yes. You watched episode three? Yeah. Great episode. Phenomenal. And if I'm just being brutally honest, after the first episode, I was like, I'm going to hate this season. I'm just absolutely going to hate this season. Episode two really turned it around for me. Episode three, I, I genuinely cried. Like, it was so good. The confessionals were great. I think the story, the spread out of all the storylines, it was just a very freaking good episode. And I'm so glad. Um, After episode two, I was like, God, put the candle in the fire at Tribal. Oh, my God. Like, I was I was losing my actual shit at my computer. I just thought there's no way that that's allowed. Oh, yeah. And there was all this talk about it. And then the fact that Sabai is like, well, I'm going to do that. I was gagged. Oh, I, I figured it because it, it didn't say at your camp. So yeah. I was like, oh, no, it's any fire from the game. It must be any fire from the game. Put it in the fire tribal. What are you doing? But what I thought with all the looks um, that Caleb was giving that little scroll thing, I thought there was going to be another clue and she wasn't going to have an idol yet. I, know, I thought I there was going to be another. I was step. worried. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Oh, that was so good. I know. All right. So well, enough about that. Uh, do we have <laughs> uh, to stop? Uh, you know, I like, love uh, it. <laughs> one, one last word for Erica here is that it was nice to see her. And yeah. um, she got more screen time in her <laughs> one and a half episodes of The Traitors than um, <laughs> in all of Survivor 41. So it's just, it's nice to see her again. Uh, maybe we'll see her on something else. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, I really, I was really happy for her to be on the show um she is a really really great person as much as we're all silly about like the amount of time that she got on my season and whatnot she's really great and i was happy for her and really bummed that she got out so early i really i was genuinely looking forward to watching her for at least for a few weeks yeah i think i think it's a big mistake i think it's a big mistake from the show that they didn't make her a traitor um Mm -hmm. because she's such an obvious target i just think why not if you're getting a name like that on your little Canadian show, you want to have that person around. And so like the best way to do that, you know, even if she's going to get banished, like at least should have two full episodes. Yeah. Um, so just to like, to leave her vulnerable to murder in the first episode, I think was kind of a mistake. I wish yeah. they hadn't done that. Well, let's move on from that. It's kind of a wake up call to Kevin. And we see him say like, Whoa, I need to start flying under the radar because yeah. if they're taking out these kinds of people. Uh, I need to chill out and stop talking. So that's interesting. I wonder how long that's going to last. But you continue to have 
Rick stirring the pot with being like, wow, this is what Colin said about Erica last night. And all of a sudden he's acting surprised she's gone. And this is really going to set up Colin for his downfall. Mm -hmm. This and, uh, and we'll just leave fierce to her own devices to to, (laughs) to call in as well. I I really don't want to talk about the mission from episode two, because of all the traitors missions, the fucking buried alive is the worst, the worst of all the missions. And like, we've had some sheep counting, you know what I mean? Like if I never see the buried alive challenge again, I'll, you can bury me alive. Happy. (laughs) Like, it's so uninteresting to watch. And the fact that so many people, like, the blue team had no clue what the fuck to do. Yeah. It's been in every franchise. How? How? <laughs> how? How do you not know what to do here? <laughs> and it's just, like, the whole team thing. Uh, I think that Australia, too, really uh, figured out what to do with this because they really made the shield a big part of the show where the shield only kind of shows up later in the game in US and UK. Uh, The Australia, too, was like, okay, we need a point to these challenges. And so every challenge is going to be divided into teams. And the first team to finish will get to visit the armory and get a Mm -hmm. potentially get a shield. Right. Like that's what needs to make the challenges matter and so that you had three teams but no shield potential it's like so what's the point of the teams like yeah whatever there's still some ironing out for for the traders as a game but it's it's not the worst thing and i understand Uh, why they haven't had time to iron it out it's it got so popular so quickly they're like we need to just do this now we need to do this now yeah i i understand that you know Everybody's figuring it out at the same time. Like Canada's yeah. filming at the same time. Like New Zealand's wrapping, and US two and UK two are filming. It's like they're they're not able to really learn from each other because they're really pushing these out so fast. So that's mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit of the problem. And I'm really curious to see what US season two does because I feel like they're kind of like leading the pack in terms of like how this show's gonna be moving forward and i wonder if they've done anything to iron out some of these issues and they have the budget they have a great host they have everything in place to make it good we just hope they don't release the whole you know what we talked so much about this they put the whole fucking season out at one time and i was like oh no it's not going to come back for season two you said that and somehow it did yeah, well, it, like, yeah, it was a grower, but I still think that that's the wrong thing. Now, I do think there's like a sweet spot in between because I will say after episode one of Canada to wait a full week with mm-hmm. no banishment and waiting a full week to find out who was murdered, I thought like just a little bit of momentum lost mm-hmm. where in uh, Australia, New Zealand, UK, they air like Big Brother, like three episodes a week or something. Mm. So you can like, even if they did two episodes a week, I don't know, but it did feel like, ooh, this is a little tough. Like that break between episode one and episode two of The Traitors Canada is the longest in any Traitors franchise that we've had to wait to find out what happened. So let's talk about the drama that went down with this huge misunderstanding, miscommunication between Fierce, Colin, donna and dom because first of all i was like in this moment reminded that someone called dom is on this show (laughs) and so like i'm trying to even still wrap my head around it but i think fierce is like well colin's telling the same thing to multiple people which kevin already got in trouble for our last episode he's like colin's going to donna and telling her you need to clear her name we saw that happen in episode one and that's when she kind of like cried and said i I cry at puppy commercials 
And then he's like, and he also told it to Dom. And then everyone's like, he did what? Mm-hmm. And I don't even know why this is like a bad thing necessarily. Like I wasn't following the logic fully. But then that that everybody got all worked up that Fierce is like dropping new information. Yeah. And then Dom's coming and being like, that never happened. And then it's like, well, Fierce, are you making stuff up? And then I think where it landed, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Fierce misunderstood someone saying Donna as Dom. No. Donna made the mistake and she admitted it. She she even said it to Dom. She's like, and he said the same thing to you. And he's like, oh. no, I was agreeing with you. And Donna's like, oh, she oh. Mis- she misunderstood, which actually, even though it made Which then fierce, went back to Fierce. Yes, which even though it made Fierce look like, why are you starting this drama in such a public way? It got Fierce out of the, the coals a little bit. Because yeah. Fierce didn't make up anything. It was actually, this is like probably one of the only like house discussions I've seen in a franchise where there is a conclusion where everyone kind of came out of it safe, except Mm. for like Colin was still in trouble for it. And I do understand the Colin aspect of it. I think anybody who's going to start a house meeting in any capacity is going to be like, Oh, look at them trying too hard. Donna made drew a lot of attention to herself crying and apologizing. And that was because Colin told her to. So I think that was actually a maneuver that they could use against Colin of you're trying to, to draw attention away from you by making Donna an even bigger deal by saying she needs mm. to apologize to people. So I under I really did understand the logic behind it, and I think it was great that Fierce and Donna kind of came out of the clear with that part. Donna was already on everybody's radar, though. And right. am I yeah. am I the only one who? Uh, sorry, like Colin is a dick. I don't like Colin <laughs> <laughs> when he was like we're done talking at the bar and he's like holding his beer. I was like, this guy's a jerk. <laughs> I don't like him. Yeah. I, I, okay. I hear that. Like, I don't feel strongly about Colin either way, but I can see where you're coming from. And maybe that's where everybody else is coming from too. Like maybe mm-hmm. they were like, he was rubbing people the wrong way. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to the round table, I did have one more voicemail and it's about fierce because look, this is a drag race queen. We've been begging to have Queens on the show. Now peppermint is going to be on us season two, as we discussed in our cast assessment. Um, so that's really fun. Did you, is are you learning this for the first time? Hearing it here. Me first. <laughs> so you didn't listen to our cast assessment. No, it's honestly, it is one of our most fun episodes. I think that I've ever done. Like seriously. I had so much fun with that episode. Dang, it's the it's... only one I haven't listened to. Fucking <laughs> listen to it, Jesus. Okay, well, I like... Oh, never mind. I know, I know. You talked to me enough. Uh, okay. <laughs> we have a message about Fierce, because I don't really know Fierce's story, and I feel like Fierce Online is, like, really uh, bigging up their personality and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, I want to get to the bottom of this. But... They give me spoiler girl vibes. Not spoiler Big girl, but, but, like, a spoiler person online mm-hmm. that's just like, well, here's the tea girlies. Well, it's like the the cast was, like, leaking a little bit, right? And it was, like, F- Fierce and Erica <laughs> taking pictures all around town. Never met before. Never met before, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Taking pictures all around town. Fierce is doing drag brunch down at the fucking Gladstone Hotel or whatever. Mm. And Erica's there. And the song that Fierce is performing is Olivia Rodrigo Traitor. <laughs> 
And they're pointing at each other during the performance being like, you're still a traitor. And so in my mind, I was like, oh my God, they're both traitors. Like they're spoiling the whole show. Mm. Okay. Turns out that's not the case, but like, I was a bit like, wow. Okay. Fierce is like, Fierce is not playing fast and loose with the, with the rules here at yeah, CCB. Yeah. What are they going to do? Fire? Her? <laughs> okay. Here is a little bit about Fierce. Hi, Sean and Evan. My name is Andrew from Kingston, Ontario. I haven't started watching Traders Canada yet, but plan to follow along with you guys. Um, I'm calling in to talk about Miss Fierce Alicious, so mild spoilers for those who haven't watched Traders Canada 3 or seen any of the clips of the premiere. Uh, so in regard to Fierce, what we saw from her on Drag Race is that she's great television. We saw her get a whole cold open dedicated to feeling sabotaged by her fellow competitors. Uh, people have a tendency to underestimate her because she likes to stir the pot, but we also saw that she's a strong competitor who can learn from mistakes, like being low for the first design challenge only to win the second one. She's also told us she has a degree in biology from Western, so there's definitely more than meets the eye. Uh, I'm excited to see how often she'll stay in drag. I've seen video on social media of her doing physical challenges in the premiere in full drag, and I love that. I feel like we can count on her to bring humor, drama, and campiness to the show, but also take it seriously. That's it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Andrew. So it's not Evan here. It's Ricard. But, you know, I hadn't announced that, so (laughs) it was meant to be a surprise. Um, So, yeah, thank you. That was That's very good uh, context for who Miss Fiercelicious is, because it seems like she is going to be... I like I could be wrong. She could be gone next episode, but it seems like she's like low key the star of the season. Yeah, she's kind they of. They love voice. going to her for a confessional, mm-hmm. but isn't annoying about it. Like I genuinely enjoy yeah. her presence fully. Yeah, I like her. All right, so at our first round table, Colin immediately addresses the drama surrounding him and uses it as an opportunity to point the finger straight back at Donna as a traitor. But I thought it was interesting that Koozie sort of offers up some support and is like. Look, if Colin was a traitor, he wouldn't be so dumb about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know whether the traitors discussed their approach to this because they vote differently. Like, Kuzi does vote for Donna uh, and the other two traitors, Mike and Mel B, vote against Colin. And, of course, Colin does get the most amount of votes and is banished. But um, there is, like, a, a real debate, it feels like, of people being, like, picking sides between Donna and Colin. Of course, they're like both a losing battle because both of them are tra- are faithfuls, as we know. But I appreciated Kuzi kind of like sticking her neck out here. Yeah, and I, I do. I actually really do think it was pretty intentional, especially when they get back to the enclave. What what the hell is it called? <laughs> the conclave. Conclave. And uh, Mel saying, yes, we need to keep doing this, like voting separately. It would make sense for Kuzi to have a different person in her vision of who to vote out and the other two fight the other way and maybe they'll rotate it around a little bit like work in separate teams to do that it actually did seem pretty intentional that koozie was going to stay on donna and not all three of them vote the same way yeah it's just that then like i feel like there are certain opportunities where well if it's between two people even if it's between two faithfuls like there would be a preference of like, I'll look more like a faithful if I go this way than that way. Right. So mm-hmm. like, for they example, so like guilty though. So it, in this one. Yeah. But like Mike and Mel B, like they vote out a faithful where like Koozie, there's still a question. Like we don't know what, like they, they don't know whether Donna is a faithful or a traitor. And so like Koozie still has that, like, well, I didn't, I didn't vote out a faithful. You know what I mean? Mm. So. And now I don't know, she there can, does the seem next... to be some benefits. And it's like, you have to be careful about how you play that, I feel like, as a trader. 
Well, now Koozie can be like, well, I mean, we still don't know if she's uh, faithful yeah. or not. So I'm going to keep this like ship going down this direction. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, I feel like it was a it was a good time for Colin to go. If Donna had gone, I would have been devastated. Yeah. Uh, she lives to slay another day. Unless she gets murdered, but I don't think that's happening. <laughs> she got a lot of votes. There, there like is this votes. funny moment before they go to the conclave where Mike, I feel like Mike's getting a little cocky as a traitor. I'm going to say it. I do think he's getting a little cocky. He is like, he does the classic, like, by the way, there's something you don't know about me, which, which just so you know, is like a standard uh, practice in Traders Australia is that when mm. you get banished, whether you're a traitor or not, you like reveal something about yourself and some are better than others, but it'll be like, I'm the most highly decorated police officer in Australian history or something like that. It'll be like, I am an award-winning author. Like there's always a secret. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Mike was jumping the gun here because like he's still in the game and he's a traitor. And he's like, guess what guys? I'm not actually a magician. Just kidding. And then he sets a deck of cards on fire. So uh, like, I-, <laughs> I need an extended scene of that because I didn't know what the point was. And I wanted to see the card trick, but <laughs> I I will say I felt the exact same way. And I didn't know if it was because I'm just a judgy asshole most of the time. I was like, oh, why would you do that? That yeah. Why are you bringing attention to yourself right now? You <laughs> And this whole thing about Mike presenting to the CIA, I, <laughs> I'm calling <laughs> bullshit because <laughs> first of all, he's like talking about how he, he like, spoke to in some capacity the cia which like why the cia he's canadian but whatever um (laughs) about magic and how magic can be used to deceive no this is what i believe i have no i have no evidence for this so like don't listen to me but that what i believe happened is he was hired as a magician for a cia like staff meeting and he was the lunch entertainment like that's what i think is likely to have happened i could be dead wrong and like mike like set me on fire if i'm wrong but i just (laughs) i just don't buy it i don't buy that he's like training the cia about magic i i think he was hired as the entertainment which like Mm. by all means like stretch that as far as you can i'm just like i'm calling it as i see it okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) so in the conclave it's time to murder once again and what we see is that they want to go random this time, which is kind of the Sari approach, right? Mm-hmm. Of let's keep them confused. And the names we hear brought out are indeed random. They are Trayvon, uh, our uh, asthma king, uh, Dr. <laughs> Nazila, our Nazilia. dentist queen. Well, yeah, it says Nazilia, but it's spelt. Na- they say Nazilia, but it's spelt Nazila. Yeah, but they say, yeah, they say. But they say Lia. Nazilia. Okay, yeah. I'll go with Nazilia and uh, I'll, I'll seek some. I'll seek some clarification. I also love that the host refers to her as doctor. Like I love the doctor. Yeah. I love the doctor. Put the respect on her. I like it. Yeah. And, uh, Mickey, (laughs) Mickey, (laughs) Mickey from the amazing race Canada, who I thought had a great, uh, opening confessional when he said, I'm from the amazing race Canada and that's not going to help me at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know who I think is going to go? I think it's going to be doctor. Really? Why? Well, I, I think something about, one of the confessionals of, oh, she maybe there must be something more we haven't seen for this to even be a confessional of may we need to work harder. And if you don't work hard to make us money, that could be a reason you're out mm. because that came out of nowhere. I was mm. not under any impression that she had held anybody up specifically her. 
you know what I mean, in a challenge and it, or in the grave digging, digging challenge. So I was like, maybe there's a lot of talk about her that we just haven't seen that would make this make more sense in a confessional. Yeah. Because I, I was like, how would people jump to that conclusion of, oh, well, you know, she didn't make us a lot of money in that challenge. Right. Maybe I should work harder. Okay. But I'll be sad be to see the doctor go. I don't want her to go. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Mickey go because, like, who? He he just looks like such a fun... Um, he reminds me of somebody from a different show, and I don't know what it is. But I like his energy. And I really like yeah, Trayvon, Yeah, I don't too. mind it. But of the three, it's like... Tra- like, Trayvon gave us an iconic moment in, in the opening <laughs> episode. No yeah. iconic moments in the second episode. But, like, okay, there's only two episodes that we're working with. But, like, to give us, like, an iconic moment that required a drone shot, like, that... <laughs> I'll put some respect on that. Dr. Nazelia, queen, queen of good teeth. Um, <laughs> and then there's Mickey. So, like, it's not that I don't like Mickey. It's just, like, if I had to lose one of them, unfortunately, yeah. it's Mickey. But, like, at least with Trayvon and Dr. Nazelia, this is their this is their first shot at reality TV. If, if I want more Mickey, I can go watch The Amazing Race Canada. So I'd like to add, like, a little more of Trayvon and Nazelia. So yeah. that's that. Okay. Ricard, do you have like a favorite to win? And I know that winning on Traders is a little like, because eh, there could be multiple winners. But just curious if if you were to make one winner pick of like, who who would you like to see? Not who do you think maybe, but like, who would you love to see get to the end uh, and win a little money here? I would love to see at the end, Mike, May, and Donna. Oh, wow. So do you think that Koozie has an uphill battle here as a trader? Yes, yes I do. Yeah. I yeah. think it would be easy, especially for Mike. I mean, I th- if I had to guess the first trader to go home, I think I, I would go with Mel B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Mike could really be long for this game if he keeps his sort of like ego in check. Yeah. And I think it would be really easy for him to start turning people in the direction of Koozie for banishment. Correct. Yeah. Who would you love to see get recruited as a trader? Uh, Gurleen. Yeah, Gurleen. Certainly after Gurleen's number one fan called in, uh, I'm a lot more keen on Gurleen. But I would also, like I said, love to see Rick as a traitor. Mm Because I don't know if he has it in him to do the lying, but I would like to see him try. Yeah, I think Fierce, I like Fierce a lot. I think Fierce would be a terrible choice. Yeah, I think Fierce needs to stay faithful. Um, And I think Mary would be a terrible choice. Oh, this is, I meant to bring up, I, I would be remiss to end the episode if I didn't bring up Mary, because I think Mary's playing a really strong game and it's not really getting recognition because Mary was the first person to identify Mel B as a traitor, at least as far as we saw on the yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah. She's the first person who was like, she had wet eyes, she's a traitor. And everyone kind of like went along with that. And Kevin was like, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then Mary was the first person who, when they all got together after the first mission was like, so Kevin's been telling me this. Kev- has he been telling you that too? That was Mary who spearheaded that conversation. Mm. And so like Mary's getting to the bottom of things. Like like she is Lady Gaga at the Capitol. And <laughs> I think like she could do really, really well as a faithful. Yes. Which, yeah, I specifically think she could win as a faithful. Yeah. I, do, I think switching gears, I could see her because she's so aware getting a little bit cocky and then turning into like a God, who was that guy that was recruited? That was just an absolute train wreck. 
He just got way too Which cocky. One? I don't even know. But I could see her like going overboard by the thrill of becoming a traitor and it ruining things. The guy that like threw Wilf under the bus in UK. I think that's who I'm thinking of. Yes. Yeah. It starts with a K, I think. Yeah. Kieran or Kier Kier. And I was Kieran, like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you think just like theoretically, this is a Canadian show. I love the traders. How do you think I would do on the traders as somebody who knows me? I genuinely think you would do great because you're warm and inviting, <laughs> but you're not too warm. Like you can be standoffish and kind of an asshole sometimes, but that's like, excuse a, me, but that's like a good thing. It's a good thing. What do you mean? <laughs> you get so intense sometimes. And I think that's good. Do you mean in real life? No, when you talk about games, like when you talk oh, about, oh yeah, like, sure, oh yeah, I can and when you're playing games, like you get so intense, yeah. like with your opinions on them, that it's a good thing. You're not just, I, I don't see you being in a space like that where you would only be so nice that people are like, he's so nice, we need to get rid of him. Right. I think you would get intense and you would go around yeah. to people and be like, really, in a very stealth way, driving an agenda and not just following other people. I think well, you'd be send really this fucking to good. CTV. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when I, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I was backseat driving you playing Fall, fall Guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Your face just now when you thought I was talking about you is like a real life human. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're just really, you're so aware about games. And I think I could just see you, I could see you doing really, really well, truly. How do you think you would do on the traders? I truly don't think I would do well. I, I don't because I, I think there are so many ways to play it. I don't think there's a very clear, I need to act this way or I need yeah. to do this type of strategy. I like thinking about all the different outcomes of things, but this game is so chaotic. And I would, so I would, random. Yeah, I would never know what to expect. Um, and I don't, I don't come off as warm and fuzzy all the time. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I truly don't think I would do well in this game. I don't. I think maybe I could be a faithful, but I don't think I would make a good trader. Really? See, I see you more as a trader. Mm. I think what's a tough uphill battle for me is I'm very, very, very honest, but I don't come off as genuine. So, like, I will be telling mm. the truth so to someone and I, like, mean it so wholeheartedly. They're just like, I don't believe what you're saying, especially in Survivor, or at least in Survivor, that's what my experience was of... I followed through with everything I was going to do. I never strayed. I never really lied. I told so few lies, except for the day that Shan got voted out. And when I uh, voted out JD, like other than that, I barely lied in the game. But the amount of times people were like, I didn't know if I could actually trust that you were going to do what you said, because it doesn't come off authentic how I say it. Mm. I just don't. It's something about how I speak. And that's a bummer. But yeah, no, I, I think it would be tough trying to convince people I wasn't a traitor if I was, even if I'm like telling the truth in a lot of situations, it just doesn't come off as truthful. You know why I think you would make a great faithful and you could probably get all the way to the end? Because I have the awareness that nobody believes me? <laughs> no, because you're a dumb bitch. <laughs> oh, that was just a joke. Uh -huh. Just a joke, folks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that was the funniest part of this whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, officially, um, now that I'm I've branched out from Australian Survivor, mm-hmm. um, I think it's time to change the uh, Instagram handle from just putting me as a co-host and not and sometimes Ricard. Yeah, but it, yeah, but Ricard, it is still sometimes Ricard. Oh uh, no, I think we got to change it. Look, we'll we'll revisit this at your annual performance review. Damn it, because that comes it's with so a raise many months away. Like, you might even get a T-shirt out of it. So. I, I didn't get last year's t-shirt. I'm, wait, I'm, I'm like, I'm waiting for you like to have a permanent address. I know I'm moving in two days. I'm so excited. Yeah, once you've got that set up, it's going to be the first package you get to your house. It's going to be like a drop your buffs tea. Signed by Parv. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> you have a number. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's wrap this up. Thank you so much. This was fun. Um, if you have thoughts on the next episode of The Traders or thoughts on this, please don't hesitate to send us a voicemail. If we've missed anybody, like I still don't know shit about Kevin uh, from Big Brother Canada. I don't know anything about Koozie. So like, I'll still accept voicemails about who I need to know about. So send Dom, us in. send us info uh, on send, Dom. If you watch Game of Homes, send <laughs> us something about Dom. If you watch Amazing Race Canada, send us something about Mickey. Who does he remind you of? Who would play Donna in the movie about Donna's life? That's who he reminds me of. I know who it is. I know who it is. I know we're wrapping up. The dude from, um, was it The Mole on Netflix? Oh my God. Totally. 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 Yeah. Chris or something? The blonde dude. I would never be able to pull that name out of my ass. (laughs) I just made it up. (laughs) All right. Okay. We got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. Bye. Bye.